Professors FM. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast. Mike Lewis, Doug Battle, Emory University. Hey Doug, I don't know if I should focus on the NBA All-Star Game or All-Star Games in general. In some ways it's the same conclusion, just different symptoms or... Well, Doug, you're the big NBA guy here on the show. NBA All-Star Game. And then I got a bunch to say. Not much, but very nice. Yeah, I watched most of the events from the Celebrity All-Star Game, which is never all that entertaining to me. And inevitably, the professional athletes that ended up playing were the best ones, the NFL guys. Uh, the dunk contest left a lot to be desired, as it has in like probably five out of the last six years. It's amazing, Mike. I've seen high school dunk contests. I've seen college dunk contests that are better. And you've got, well, access uh, to the best athletes in the world and, and somehow a lackluster product. Can I interrupt you and make you go backwards for a second? Sure. Okay. So the celebrity game. Yeah. So. With a bunch of C-listers. Tristan. Jazz, Jazz, Jazz. Asking the wrong guy. <laughs> got called out by Kelsey Plum that he was not passing the ball enough. Yeah, I I did see that. Okay, the guy I'm guessing he's like a TikToker <laughs> or something. That's why if there's someone who's quote unquote famous and I've never seen them before, I just assume oh that it's a it's a TikToker. It's an influencer. Okay, so the TikToker doesn't pass the ball, but he. He hit back and said, I have more assists at halftime than you average in your entire career or something. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, we kept the the kind of guy versus girl rivalry going. That's that next night with. Okay. Well, well, piece by piece. Okay. (laughs) Okay. The next thing, the dunk dunk contest, which was again, won by where, what league does. Mac McClung. He's a G league guy. He's a G league I will say, Mike, I have done my research on Mac McClung interesting fella a little bit surprised that he is still in the g league if you just look at his numbers so mac mcclung he was the rookie of the year in the g league last year oh god oh, okay what are his numbers doug he's apparently six foot two which isn't like okay. the worst like he's got to be a point guard and he's naturally a shooting guard which is part of the problem but if you look at his stats in the g league Max McClung averages 24.5 points per game, which is probably one of the higher scoring players in the G League. Three-point shooting is what blew my mind. Last year from three, he averaged 47.4%. So, I mean, that is... For someone that can win a dunk contest and shoot 47.4, I mean, that's... He could have competed in a three-point contest as well. He's shooting 50% from the field, seven assists per game, five rebounds per game. I mean, the, the stats are pretty impressive. For okay. I mean, typically some of that stat line would make the jump into the NBA. So I think it's a lot of people will say race. I don't think it's a race thing. I think it's a height thing. I think it's the fact that you have a scoring ball dominant guard who is six foot two. He's got, you know, this is a cliche. He's got moxie though. I mean, and anyone who's watched his, High school highlights knows. And his college highlights knows. He's a gamer. Have you seen him play, Doug? I mean, so you've seen... I've watched him play. Yeah, I watched him in college. 
I watched him at Texas Tech. He's a really, really fun player to watch. Like, that's what I'm saying. I've had this perception that it's kind of a joke that he's in the dunk contest because he's not an NBA player. But when I look into it more, it's like, oh, this guy's not just a dunker. Like, he's he's a basketball player. And even when he, he played a game for the Lakers, I think he played a game or two for the Sixers and the Magic. But again, not in the NBA. And I know Stephen I, Smith this morning made some comments that LeBron James wrecked the, deck, the dunk contest. And he reeled off some – Michael Jordan participated, let's say, three times. Dominique Wilkins, five times. Kobe Bryant at least participated. I don't remember how many times. He, yeah. So – I mean, Vince Carter was a huge star in the okay. league. So a lot of the players will not participate. So this G League guy, who may be very good, yeah, is now the defending champion. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing for the NBA that okay. the NBA dunk contest has been won twice in a row by a player who's not in well, the NBA. Well, let's keep going because then there was also a three-point contest, right? And, and, and Steph Curry won the three-point contest, but... Well, sort of. Sort of, okay. There was a three-point contest with NBA players only, and Damian Lillard won that. Who's that? Is he a good shooter? Yeah, he's a good shooter. Well, okay, and you know why I'm asking, right? Because as far as I can tell, Steph Curry is the best shooter, and then Sabrina is the second best shooter. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) this Dame Lillard guy. Yeah, Damian Lillard made two half-court shots in the All-Star game. He was the all-star MVP. And so he's probably the third best shooter. Right? <laughs> Behind Sabrina. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, uh, I think that Curry versus Lillard would be must watch TV. I don't understand why Curry wasn't involved in that three point contest. And I also don't understand why I, I, I think must watch TV would be those two shooting it from 50 feet. Okay. What was the total? What did Lillard score in? the fake three-point contest because obviously curry sabrina steph sabrina was the real one right so lillard and and i know in the first round lillard and like several other guys had 26 which is what sabrina ended up getting okay so maybe he's as good as her (laughs) well he i i think that let's see yeah he had 26 in the final round as well so that she had she put up the same right the same numbers as damian lillard for that i was wrong so he's Tied with her as the second best shooter. <laughs> sure, Mike. <laughs> sure. Although I don't know that she would have been hitting those fifty or forty-five footers in the All-Star game that he was hitting. But nonetheless, I was very impressed by her performance. Look, and I'm not sure how much of this I'm allowed to joke about. The reality is, I'm actually not joking about Sabrina's performance. I'm joking about the NBA and the NBA featuring. Maybe their two biggest stars, or two out of the three biggest stars at the event were one plays in the WNBA and one plays in the G League, right? Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, and they tried They tried to get like Jalen Brown in the mix, which he's like a second or third team all-star <laughs> kind of guy, and, and he really didn't impress no creativity in the dunk contest. I personally thought that he kind of got a pass and got passed into that final round. Without earning it, there were some better dunks in the first round. Nonetheless, not not a lot of star power. The not game star power. was two hundred and what was it like two hundred and eleven to one eighty five or something? Something about it that was absurd, like that. And uh, part of me was impressed that the shot selection was so bad, and they were making the shots, but the defense <laughs> left a lot to be desired. 
And I think it's what's interesting to me, Mike, is these guys, I understand they don't want to get hurt. It doesn't matter. I get it. But also they play like these Hold summer on. leagues. Time out. Time out. Game doesn't matter. What are we doing then, Doc? I Look, I agree with you. The game doesn't matter. The game clearly doesn't matter. So why are we doing it? Well, it's an exhibition for the fans. It's for the <laughs> fans so they can see everyone all at once. It's for the fans. Yeah. I don't know that the fans necessarily <laughs> enjoyed it all that much. But in theory, it's for the fans. And I'll tell you how you know it's not to be taken seriously. And it's because Anthony Edwards did everything with his left hand over the weekend. I don't know if you watch the skills challenge, Mike. Uh, that was the worst part of the all-star weekend. Not the celebrity game, not the dunk contest. The, I think the three-point shooting contest was actually pretty exciting. The game was not. But the worst <laughs> was the skills challenge, where in the first round, you had not one, but two players fail to follow instructions running the wrong way when literally on the court, which is made of LED lights, there were arrows showing them which way to run, and, and they went the wrong way. Scotty Barnes, in the skills competition dribbles the ball off of his leg, and the ball goes out of bounds. Anthony Edwards uh, seemed to airball three shots in a row, shooting with his left hand because he clearly wasn't taking it seriously. Anthony Edwards shooting left-handed in the All-Star game, and in that kind of sums it up. Like, these guys aren't taking it seriously. Okay. They're, so the NBA players aren't taking it seriously. And what I was going to say earlier was that if you watch these guys, like, you'll see videos in the offseason in the quote-unquote Drew League, where it would be Kevin Durant playing in a game and there will be some all you know there'll be bradley beal or someone on the other devin booker playing and they're playing their hearts out they're playing like it's you know that in the last dance documentary when it has i think it was that documentary that showed some of the practices for team usa with jordan and magic and those guys were competing and that's what you see in the summer when it whether it's at lifetime fitness in new york city or los angeles or whether it's the drew league you see these guys competing in exhibition games that don't matter. They're not helping you win a championship. It's just practice. And for whatever reason, the All-Star game can't be one of those games. Okay. It can't so, be a practice-level effort. Sum this up. In the skills competition, the players didn't really care. They were just goofing around. In the <laughs> game, the players didn't particularly care. They were mostly goofing around. The biggest hit was the NBA proclaiming that the WNBA's um, best shooter is just a hair worse than their best shooter, but it's kind of a could go either way. The dunk contest, the demonstration of athleticism was won by a G league player. And we had another WNBA player calling out, getting into a little tiff with a <laughs> TikToker or YouTuber about passing the ball sufficiently. Right? Is that I think a- that's like a good recap of NBA All-Star Weekend. Okay, now you said this was for the players. Now, okay, so... No, I said it was for the fans. For the fans, sorry. Okay, so cold-hearted for a moment. It's an ad platform. It's a marketing platform. The All-Star Game yeah. is a marketing platform. And so what is being accomplished in this marketing platform? I think the idea would be this is where we're building up the players' stardom. It's probably what it was in the past historically. Now the players all come in with, you know, tons and tons of stardom and they feel like they're now doing the NBA a favor by being there. So the NBA, so they don't really care. The NBA then resorts to Mac McClung and, and Sabrina. And 
look, the Sabrina Steph, I think, is the winner for the weekend, right? That's the thing that really popped, that got all the coverage. I think so. And I I can definitely see them capitalizing on that further in the future with, of course, Caitlin Clark in the mix. Who's capitalizing on that? A huge win for the WNBA, right? Yes. Huge win for Sabrina. Huge win. And I'm not going to lie. I was nervous because they hyped it up so much. And I was like, what if she goes out and makes like seven? You know, what if she has like a seven and he has like a 29? (laughs) Um, And so I was like, wow, she came out and she hit her first rack, everything. And I was like, okay, this has actually put some pressure on Steph Curry. So I think it was the win for the WNBA. For For the NBA, I don't know. I don't think it's a loss, like, because Steph won. And, you know, I, I just think that it was a way to... That that was more of a promotional event for the WNBA, which needs a little more help than the NBA does. Okay, and I think that's a fair way to put it. But what does this accomplish for the NBA? And look, it's not just the NBA, right? What is what does the Pro Bowl do for the NFL? What does the NHL All Star Game do? What does the MLB All Star Game do? Very often now, Doug. To be honest with you, these events end up being, I think, net losses for the leagues, where financially. Well, I'm just saying in terms of the branding and the brand equity, where like dilutes it. Yeah, baseball massively screwed up when they pulled that All Star game from Atlanta, right? What was that over? It was over some bill. Stacey Abrams complaining about an election integrity, you know? Yeah, yeah. But baseball sort of looks bad. The the NBA and and the follow up, right? LeBron James. Kind of saying, well, this game needs some work, and Adam Silver kind of acknowledging it as well. I'm not sure. You know, it, it's it's a tricky thing to fix, and I think it gets extra tricky because the way to make noise, the way to get the social media pops, you know, the the Steph Sabrina shooting contest. I don't think these actually help. I think it makes this more of a circus and less serious. I think a legitimate All Star Game competition between Team USA and Team World would be must-watch TV if they were really competing. And I think that there might be some pride on the line there representing your country or representing the rest of the world as a foreigner in the NBA. And so that's been my proposition. I know I'm not the only one who's proposed that over the years. Clearly, as it stands, I mean, look at the problem with the dunk contest. How do you attract... How do you get LeBron James? How do you get even like an Anthony Edwards to participate in that? You can't do it because now lose it. Look, I think the whole problem was if you lose, you look bad. Right? And so if LeBron never did it, I don't think LeBron was ever a spectacular dunker, right? Well, Anthony Edwards clearly had no problem losing the skills competition because he did it with his left (laughs) hand. So I I you know, I don't know that he's as afraid to lose. Well, and, and I don't know, I'm not in his head, but I could imagine that if the dunk con- when you think about the dunk contest, who do you think about? You think about Dominique Wilkins, Vince Carter, yeah. Michael Jordan. And so I suspect that they do not want to not live up to those guys' standards. And, and Doug, moving forward, why am I participating if this is something where next year there's a guy in the G League who's going for a three-peat in this? They asked him if he was going to consider doing it next year, and he's like, I'll think about it. I'm like, dude, <laughs> don't act like you're not itching to get back. This is your career, man. This is your this is your moment. This is your Super Bowl. I am. Uh, what's fascinating to me is the fact that 
these guys are too good for the dunk contest or they're scared to look bad, but they're not too good for the all-star game, even though they're too good to play hard in the all-star game. I'm like, what if we had guys treat the all-star game the same way that they treat the dunk contest? Would we have an all-star game of bench players and G-leaguers and call it the NBA all-star game? That's the equivalent to what the dunk contest has become because it's not... I mean, it it really should be, you know, LeBron should LeBron would have been amazing, especially in his youth in the dunk contest. Um, right now, I think a guy like Anthony Edwards, of course, but there's a number of of young stars in the league who fans would really get excited to see. And they talked about it on the broadcast. People weren't getting on their feet in anticipation of dunks. They were just kind of sitting back and watching and saying, "Ah." Eh. Yeah, he, that was nice. And part of it was there wasn't a lot of creativity like I touched on earlier. Like I've seen, like I said, high school and college dunk contests where players who were maybe even less athletic had better performances because they were thinking outside of the box. But on top of that, the fact that there wasn't star power. nobody was, Nobody's interested in Obi Toppin's little brother out there. No offense to him, but it's not the same as having a phenom like Anthony Edwards. No offense to anyone on any of this, right? And I think there are probably... Except for Anthony Edwards for playing left-handed in a competition and like screwing up his team's chances of winning. But Doug, <laughs> the all team was 211 to 190. The tone of the weekend is has become a goof, I think, is safe to say, right? It's just a time for... It's kind of a fun weekend to recharge and relax and see your friends. Now you it's can also stay- time for Starry. To everything was branded. It was like the Starry three point contest, the State Farm dunk okay. contest. And there you the, go. Right. The Kia Skills Challenge. Like I'm probably getting these mixed up, but those are some of the brands that were involved. So and- you imagine where sports came from, right? It was it was essentially one town's team against another town's team, right? So it was, yeah. Town A versus Town B, Chicago versus New York. And then someone said, hey, you know what? We can actually start selling tickets to this, right? And that's where the revenue came from. But over time, the media starts to get involved. It's like, hey, this is an ad platform, right? And so the All-Star Game is a marketing platform. Adam Silver, you want to fix the All-Star Game? Then you got to realize that – I mean, I, I think that's a an interesting way to look at sports at this point is – is this an athletic competition or is this an ad platform? Obviously, it's both. But when you've got that kind of dual objective, then it complicates things, right? And and so you, you say, why aren't these guys showing up to this? Man, they're running their own ad platforms, right? They were. I You know, I got ads on my Instagram over the weekend for Damian Lillard and Bose. And I think when he won MVP, I think he went up and he thanked, like, he, he was like, this is a great thing, not only for us as players, but for our sponsors. <laughs> and it was just kind of like very nonchalant. You know, this, is, this isn't for the fans. This isn't for the teams. This isn't for the cities. This is for the sponsors. And this is an opportunity to fulfill our contract obligations to them. And <laughs> I mean, that's how it came across to me. And I, I'm a big Damian Lillard fan, so d- don't take that as you know, me, me hating on Damian Lillard. It was more of a indicative of the state of the all-star weekend and, and what it means or doesn't mean to, to fans and players. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that they like in that skills challenge, they made an Indiana Pacers team 
uh, because it was in Indiana, it was in Indianapolis. I think like one strategy can be to kind of like find ways to make it competitive by giving people someone to root for and giving the players something to play for. I've always thought this will never happen. I always thought for the NFL, it'd be fun if instead of a Pro Bowl game, they would just do Georgia versus Alabama NFL version and let those guys, because they would, there's no way those guys are half, half harding their efforts when they're representing their former universities. And even if it were SEC versus Big Ten versus Pac-12, if you just took, if you grouped the players into something where they had some like, real pride about it Uh, because i don't think the east or the west means anything to anybody in the nba for example or the nfc versus afc i don't think it has that same rivalry as sec big 10 i tend to go back and it's just a construct that's there because they need something there well i'll go back in time and think about the all-star game like like this this, the dunk contest and the three-point shot shooting contest these really helped the NBA. I mean, if you go back and think about what built the NBA, there's almost this like sequence of events of Dr. J keeping them in, in, in everything, like keeping their, the consciousness alive to bird and bird versus magic. The the narrative of these guys, heck from French Lake versus Hollywood to Michael Jordan. But you go back in time in the all-star game, this was an opportunity to say, Hey, look, Larry Bird and Michael Jordan on the same team, right? Yeah. That yeah. was what was special about it, right? I mean, so Dominique versus Michael in the slam dunk, Larry Bird versus, you know, whoever. But that specialness is what you have to capture, right? And, and so, you know, if you're thinking about how to make this work, you got to figure out what's interesting about having these all-stars together, right? And – I mean, you, you just think through it. It's like, well, LeBron James is on the same team as Wemby. That's kind of cool, right? But that's not what I got out of this weekend. I mean, I don't, I don't, in some level, I don't know that it's that complicated. I, I understand that it's probably impossible to fix, right? Because these guys are all now essentially billion dollar brands or on their way to be billion dollar brands. So the calculation is different. But what do the fans want out of this? I'll tell you what I want. I'm sick of seeing people not compete. Give me just let them play a different sport. Let's play football. I want to see I want to see Jokic at quarterback. I want to see Ant-Man at receiver. I want to see LeBron at tight end. You know, I want to see Steph Curry in the secondary. I want to see all these guys how they would have panned out. Let's play full pads, football. You know, yeah. they they would play hard because it would be fun for them and it'd be their only chance to get to do something like that. Uh, and as a fan, it would be interesting to see. I would much rather watch them really compete at something other than basketball than watch them loaf up and down the court and not defend one another and well, shoot layup after layup uncontested for f- four hours. Look, there's something to that, right? Because I would like to see Wemby Wimbiana, Wimbiana, <laughs> Wimbiana. <laughs> I would like to see him swim. I would like to see. Yeah. Him, I would like to see him bowl, right? table tennis. <laughs> Bowling like his arm would hit the ball would hit the ground while he's like winding back. Ball, <laughs> uh, softball. It doesn't. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, let's just have field day. I mean, I think the NFL is kind of onto something. Like they're kind of moving in that direction. It's still very football centric, but. They're moving toward field day. I think NBA field day would be amazing. 
I don't know. Like I said, I want to see them run 40 times. I'm always like, how fast is LeBron? You know, is he like, is he like as fast as Tyreek Hill or is he as, I mean, you can't tell on a basketball court how fast anybody is. I don't know. Let's just do a combine. I think that would be more fun. (laughs) Again, something that they can go full out at and see who the best athlete is. Right. The NBA Olympics. The problem is that the mentality at this point is it's almost this focus on bits and pieces of, oh, we've got to promote this thing and then we got to promote that thing. And it just ends up being, it, it adds up to just a mess of, a mess of nothing, sort of a mess of unfortunate nothing. Look, Doug, I'll give you an idea for next year. Next year, we're going to have the three point contest as a relay race. And it's going to be LeBron and Steph versus Sabrina and Caitlin. I mean, that would be an enormous success on social media. It's also a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, I think we know what the outcome would be on the one hand. And it also opens the door to a lot of uh, discussion that the NBA probably doesn't want to have had by its fans. So (laughs) I don't know that it wants to invite those comment sections. I don't I, look. I mean, that is. I, I don't know if anyone cares about comment sections as much as I do, because it is just the it is just the greatest thing. Of she's not shooting with the same size ball. Right. And it's and it's like, who cares? There's also no one playing defense on either one of them. I'm not sure what we're really. Yeah. I mean, what's great about that competition is the WNBA player could win. I don't know that it actually means anything i mean right like it doesn't mean they're a better basketball player it just means that they beat them in that competition it's no different than if we had a like water polo game between caitlin and (laughs) and i mean it's just it's a different it's a different it's it's a different game here's what's worse about it and i i remember having i had this thought as i'm watching this And, and i might be unusual in having this thought i started to think this is kind of stupid we're literally just watching someone throw a ball in a hole from 25 feet away. I, like, I mean, and look, I played enough basketball that I can appreciate it. But at, at the end of the day, it's like we're doing something very strange and we've got millions of people and hundreds of millions of impressions probably across social media watching people throw balls from great distances into holes. And I think when you, when you again, I'm not going to blame myself. I'm just saying when you start to make this a circus, when you've got a YouTuber who won't pass the ball, when you've got all this kind of stuff going on, you can, you know, you can almost break the illusion of sport and say, well, what exactly is happening here? So I just want to re- I want to finalize my thoughts on the All Star Weekend with the worst part. That I, I might have used the term worst earlier. I was wrong. I had forgotten about the tiebreaker for the skills challenge was a half court shot. And they had two teams. So they had the Indiana Pacers and they had the NBA All-Stars. And whoever could hit a one half court shot the quickest wins. That's the tiebreaker for the skills challenge. So the last skill is a half court shot. So the Pacers go first. Mike, three players shooting constantly for a minute. It took them, I think it took them 58 seconds to make one half court shot. You watch, as an audience, you watched, uh, 
probably 40 missed you know, 40 bricks in a row. And then the all-stars came and it took them about 30 seconds. So it was, it was a lot of missed shots. It was not any different than if you took three random guys at the YMCA, took them at half court and tried to take a half court shot and tell or shoot half court shots till you make it. I mean, it was, it was really bad. It was the, the group of people I was watching with were like, these guys are terrible. And I'm like, they're not terrible. Like they're, they're right. NBA basketball, yeah. like they're, they're great basketball players, but this is not a great way to showcase how awesome they are. Instead, it was kind of embarrassing to watch. And again, the skills challenge was very much that way with, you know, you had a, a young player bouncing the ball off his leg. You had Anthony Edwards shooting the ball off the side of the backboard. You had guys missing floaters. I mean, everything seemed to be subpar. It, w- it wasn't a display of excellence by any means. And like you were saying earlier, for the NBA's brand, I don't know that it was helping more so than it was hurting. I do think the NBA slash WNBA capitalized on an opportunity to maybe forfeit the fact that we're not building any star power with outside of Mac McClung with men's basketball. Let's take an opportunity to build one star. Let's try to create the Caitlin Clark of the NBA. And okay. there's been a little bit of buzz around Sabrina Ionesco over the last year or two, but I think this took it to new heights, and I think you'll start to see more fandom, more more you know, ESPN coverage, of course, but of course people in seats as well going out to see that young lady shoot the basketball. So I, I think it was probably the biggest winner of the weekend was probably the WNBA apart from Mac McClung. Okay. I'm going to tell you my highlight of the weekend. It was the sequence. And I don't know if you know the sequence I'm talking about, but, and I just wrote down the sequence. So my memory's a little fuzzy here, but I think it was Luka Doncic on a breakaway and like bounced the ball up like he was going to catch the, the ball on the bounce and dunk it, missed it badly, and then it went down the other direction on the court and Lillard hit a fifth, hit a half-court shot. It was like yeah. perfect. I don't know what it means. <laughs> In some ways, Doncic's personality was kind of perfect for that moment, and then Lillard hitting that shot, it was like perfect summation so i saw both luca and nikola Jokic miss dunks during the game which was hilarious and also made me think a more entertaining slam dunk contest versus what we saw would be luca Doncic and nikola Jokic slam dunk contest <laughs> um, lots of mis- just just you know something light something fun so on the flip side what really was impressive this weekend was damian lillard of course winning the three-point contest but in that game I think he was two for two from half court, Mike, and he shot it like a jump shot. He didn't shoot. He didn't throw the ball. He shot it with perfect form. He sh- he probably, I think he was just under 50% from three in the game, but he was shooting the ball from the logo often and hitting it often. And it was pretty amazing. That's the kind of thing that made me realize all the talk about, you know, is Caitlin Clark just as good a shooter of anybody or is this, this Sabrina as good a shooter as anybody? Damian Lord and Steph Curry, their range makes them special. And I do think the NBA hasn't tapped into that enough. I think that the fact that a three is a three doesn't, you know, it makes it so that statistically you could compare a Caitlin Clark to a Steph Curry, whereas shooting it from 50 feet, it's a different ball game. Okay. So mentioned Caitlin Clark a couple of times, and obviously she is the other, I don't know. She might be with the NFL season over. Caitlin Clark might be the biggest name. And people say I'm crazy for this. Hyper- biggest name in college basketball. Might be the biggest name in American sports at the moment in terms of yeah. coverage. Yeah. So she broke the all-time scoring record. Now, I do 
realized because of this day and age we live in, there had to be an immediate response on social media calling out that I guess there was a woman who played at Kansas before the women's were recognized by the NCAA who may have scored more points than Caitlin Clark. Don't even care, right? Caitlin Clark has... Like I, like, I remember when she started blowing up, it was this uniqueness of her personality on the court combined with a range that is very unusual for that. Hey, hey, Doug, just as a, a segue, a, a, a side note here, you know what I would actually like to see? A skills competition between Luka Doncic and Caitlin Clark. Because their workout videos, when they hit social media, might be the two most different approaches to basketball training I've ever seen. All I when I see that, all I can think of is Caitlin Clark is a robot that has been programmed by AI to be the ultimate basketball player, whereas Luka Doncic is just a basketball genius, like a savant, right? That just magically his hands always know where to go with like he probably eats more bread and drinks more beer but he's also just got this sixth sense of how to trick the other team into you know (laughs) slowing down when they should speed up or vice versa so yeah i think that i think that would be interesting and to that point on the all-star stuff the only time it felt like someone was really trying their hardest the entire weekend was Steph Curry in that three-point contest. He did not want to lose to a girl. And it's almost like for those skills competition, three-point, like all that stuff, apart from the dunk contest, of course, it's almost like if they make it boys versus girls, we'll at least see the guys try because they are they do not. A professional, regardless of how meaningless the competition is, there, there's a, a pride that's built in you since you're – you know, four years old where you don't want to lose to the other gender and the other gender certainly would take a lot of pleasure in beating you. And so I think that, you know, we, we, I think that brought the best out of Steph Curry and that was probably the most competitive moment of the weekend. Frankly, I'm surprised that, you know, I mean, some of this, some of this stuff is painful to me because it, it almost feels like I'm living. My life is just a series of reruns like these gender <laughs> these gender battles and these gender discussions i'm old enough to vaguely remember billy jean king versus bobby riggs and you know there's a lot of speculation that that was that that was rigged for billy jean to get the victory because it's a better show right mm-hmm. so in some ways none of this stuff feels all that feels all that new now we are clearly i think in a moment and i and i think this is this is like blowing up, not just in in sports, but in mar- the marketing side as well. That women, I mean, the narrative is that women's sports is absolutely blowing up. We've got a new volleyball team here in in Atlanta that had a, an attendance of over seven thousand in the first game. The Atlanta Dream is apparently now selling out a G League arena, or, or you're filling up a G League arena. Mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark is like I said perhaps she's definitely the biggest name in college basketball. We're now moving rapidly into March and I, I think I said it last week. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we could see a reversal of the TV ratings where if Iowa goes on a run and the men's tournament doesn't if it doesn't pan out in an interesting way, we could see Caitlin Clark truly being the absolute face of of, of college basketball with with you know a greater viewership than the men's game. Part of me, and I, I'm now throwing a lot at you here. 
Part of me even wonders now too, are, are we now setting up Sabrina versus Caitlin Clark as one of the rivalries? Yes. One of the things I wonder about though, Doug, is the reception Caitlin Clark is going to get in the WNBA. In some ways, this kind of reminds me of the hype surrounding, let's say, a Michael Jordan and how much you know antipathy was shown to him by like Isaiah Thomas and some yeah. of the some of the older guys in the league that and like I don't know who has the number one pick in the WNBA draft, but Caitlin Clark may very well be outside of the NFL the biggest story in basketball or in fact sports for this entire this entire next year because we're going to see let's say great narratives and great stories focused on her all the way through you know April with the NCAA tournament she's going to get a ton of hype as we go into the WNBA draft and the WNBA season she is completely a star I love it because again, I, I don't watch this. You know, I, I've said it many times. I don't owe my fandom to anyone, so I've watched this more as a, almost more as a sociologist or an anthropologist. This is the most fascinating thing happening in sports. I just don't know how much of it's driven by the marketers, how much of it's driven by the public, how much of it's driven by, you know, just the magic in the air. Yeah. To be fair, I think you could say that about just about any story in sports that's ever been had. Caitlin Clark, I think what would be something new and not feel like a rerun, and this probably is never going to happen, is, is she takes it upon herself to try out for men's basketball. There's been there's been a lot of clamoring among the fans that she could be she could go up there and be she shoots a better percentage than a lot of guys. She could be a spot up three shooter. Okay. I think the concern more so is on defense. Now, Doug, I don't want to interrupt you, but there was a, a UCLA women's player basketball player in the 1970s named Ann Myers who became Ann Myers Drysdale, married the Dodger pitcher Don Drysdale, who had a fifty thousand dollar contract with the Indiana Pacers. No way. Right, and she How did, did not go. And she did not get cut on the first round of cuts for the Pacers in their training camp. And again, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, I'm not suggesting that I think uh, the basketball. You know, I, I'm not suggesting that I think it translates at that level, but. We talk about star power and, and marketing and how much that factors in with today's social climate or whatnot and the fact that there's an argument that people are making that well if you look at her three-point percentages if you look at you know where she's shooting from that Caitlin Clark legitimately could be a spot-up shooter at any level for anybody because making a basket is making a basket and and so I'm not predicting it I'm not suggesting it but it would certainly be something that would be the probably sports story of the year if Caitlin Clark were to make a run and, and try out, you know. Do you remember the, the, the glory days of Ronda Rousey? Yeah, yeah right? I do. And Ronda Rousey was going to fight Floyd Mayweather? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I think I, that, like, I think I with... We do this all the time. I mean, we do this as a, you know, this, this very kind of, it's a very strange phenomenon that we do with, and I, and I don't think it's great for um, female sports that these comparisons yeah. get, get made. I suspect that Caitlin Clark would not be able to catch the ball in the NBA 
if someone didn't want her to catch the ball. And it's that it's it's that simple and probably couldn't get the shot off. Right. And what's kind of tragic about it is that and look, and Ronda Rousey would have got her head taken off her shoulders by Floyd Mayweather. Right. But even this type of just these are my judgments suddenly feels again, you're on that tightrope in terms of that's a misogynistic comment, potentially. I, I don't think it's helpful. To, to anyone. I mean, these are these are their own things, but there's always going to be this tendency of like, we got to have this debate. We got it. We got it. Yeah. We got to talk about how they would do, you know, could she, could she play high, like high school men's basketball and like, well then what about college? And then, you know, why not the, why not the NBA? Why not just run around like Steph Curry coming off screens, try to catch the ball and have a split second to get a three up and, and see if she can hit it. I will say, I think that, you know, I, I think she would be a better player at that level than say the Vanderbilt kicker that we made much ado about a couple years ago. I think that was during COVID when Vanderbilt had a, had a female kicker who, who did a sort of onside kick. We weren't sure if it was intentional or not. I remember she scored too. She hit an extra point. Oh, she had an extra point. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the all time leader in college football for women. I think I would imagine. I don't know, but yeah, that'll, that'll always be a discussion. Probably shouldn't be probably should just let them be great. I think, I believe her name was, Sarah Fuller. Yeah, she was a national icon. And what's what's great about that, right, is can I name any other Vanderbilt football players from that team? That's what I'm saying, Mike. That is what I'm saying. There is like, there's something about it that it's like I could see someone doing it for that reason, for the fact that it is memorable Mm -hmm. and that it's, you know, it it makes you the number one story. I don't know that an NBA team is going to do that because of how serious that league is apart from the all-star game and all-star weekend but you know i and and hey here's a thought maybe next year's i and i could totally see them doing this in the all-star games in the future each team has one female and they put caitlin clark on one team and inesco on the other we're, and, uh, we're full globetrotters now <laughs> i mean i but can you not can you not see the nba doing that I think that I almost like that is something I will say. I, I see that I see that happening. And Caitlin Clark, I see them putting her out there All Star Weekend and absolutely. playing with the boys. Absolutely, and it would be a huge hit. And like everything else I'm talking about today, an enormous mistake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably so, probably so. But yeah, as far as you know, March Madness right around the corner. I mean, we're weeks out, sneaking up on us. And I got to be honest, I could care less about college basketball until March. But once March comes around, I'm locked in. Like I am, it is the only thing I care about in March. So I am stoked. I still disagree with you. I think that the storylines that just come out of nowhere, some guy with a mustache and some guy with goggles and some, you know, just, just team that America falls in love with is so powerful in March after that first round of the tournament that men's college basketball takes center stage and, and holds on to it for a little bit. But, you know, if Caitlin Clark can make a national championship, if she can position her team to go out on top, you know, something movie-like, I do think that it's going to set records for women's basketball. I know, but we're just – and look, I am i don't know if I'm disagreeing with you or not. I'm just saying that this is a, this is a, a unique point in time. Sure. Because – there's no star power in men's basketball. There's Who's not a single player that, that is a household name. Connecticut's number one, I think. Who's the best player in Connecticut? Yeah. I mean, who's the, who's the coach of Connecticut? 
Right. I mean, so something has, has fundamentally shifted because I go to my social media feed and, you know, Juju, the player for USC, took a, took a shot to the face and there was blood on the court. And I see that three or four times. And, and look, it's partly my fault, right? Because I pay so much attention to this stuff that the algorithm just shows me more and more of that. But I swear to God, I'm just following ESPN. And this is what is this is what's laid out there. I, you know, I feel like Kim Mulkey might be the highest profile. Oh God, Don Staley would be very upset at the, of my statement, right? Might be the highest profile coach in the NCAA basketball right now. Yeah, I don't know, but it does seem like the concerted effort by media, and I'm not saying this with any judgment, but to create stars in women's sports has benefited women's college basketball more so than any other league. Okay, Doug, and now here's the tricky thing, right? Because again, it, this this I think from the outside, this sounds like a criticism of women's right. basketball, and that's right. really not what this is. If you view all this stuff through the lens of sports has become a marketing platform, right, then there are vested interests in making things bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and so then being a fan starts to feel a little bit funny when it's like, well, I'm a fan of this marketing platform, right? That this is an opportunity for, uh, again, I, we, I, I think you named an episode a couple weeks ago, Marketers Ruin Everything. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's the that's the subtitle for the podcast marketers ruin analytics marketers ruin everything ruin everything with marketing professor mike lewis but i mean is that is that fair that i mean i look at all these i look i look at all these leagues and the nfl has clearly separated themselves but it seems like everyone else is now just trying to grow big enough to to attract sponsors or actually using sponsors to get big enough. It's like the marketers have become equal partners with the, with the sports franchises and the leagues. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's a great place that anyone really wants to be. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I will touch on something that you said. You mentioned that there's this like concerted effort to make everything bigger than it actually is. I don't know how many sports fans have had this experience, but have you ever gone to a game or a stadium or something that you thought would be just larger than life? And because I grew up like, like for example, going to a national championship game felt like you know, the way they presented on TV. It felt like the Super Bowl. It felt like the biggest event. Tickets are probably fifty thousand dollars just to get there. And, and as an adult, when I actually went to my first national championship game and it's like, you know, you're, it's the same experience. Like it's, it's kind of quiet before the game. There's no, there's nothing special. It's just a sporting game. It's just people out on a field throwing a ball. And there's something where it's like, oh, for some reason, all this time, I thought this was bigger than it actually is. I used to think that going to an NBA game would be like this life-changing experience you know like going to the eras tour (laughs) and and getting there and you know the game starts and the jet you can hear the ball bouncing and you can hear the music that and it's just kind of like you look around and you're like wow this really isn't that big of a thing they just present it in a way 
that makes it feel bigger than it is. And so I think so much of sports is taking something that's, that's really a practice, you know, or it's, it's a scrimmage and presenting it through music and through graphics and through commentary and guys in suits and making it feel important and making it feel larger than life. And so do they do that with stars or with, you know, people who they want to be stars? Absolutely. And do they do that with leagues? And, and it's not, you know, it's not just Caitlin Clark or women's basketball. I mean, I feel like they've done it for forever with everything. I don't know. It's forever, but I do think it's well forever for me. Yeah. Forever for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I look, uh, you know, I you know that I'm working on a book, and one of the chapters in that book is talking about the future of fandom, and what I tend to where I tend to think fandom comes from, the way it evolves, is based on three things: technology. You grew up with a smartphone, pretty much, right? Yeah. Cable TV. Technology has a huge part of it. I think demographics matter a ton in this kind of stuff because so much of this is family and community traditions. But there's this third element of it that I think people tend to leave out, and that's what the marketers choose to do, right? So do the marketers emphasize the narrative storytelling of Bird versus of Magic versus Larry, right? Right. What you see in the Olympics. Or do they, you know, emphasize like the the hometown team, like we tend to see in in baseball. I think so much of the marketing side of this is just escalating though at at this point. And some of that is it's interrelated to things like technology where social media lets potentially teams and players control their own storylines. Like gambling is, man, I don't know where gambling's going to go, but part of where gambling goes and how gambling ends up affecting sports is going to be based on the decisions of what the leagues and the teams do. If you give all the gambling licenses in a city to the teams, and I've heard this, this is happening in some of these States you give a gambling license to the WNBA team. Well, now you've just essentially built in a, a massive amount of revenue for that team, right? You've got some social forces, ESG type stuff that's saying, hey, Microsoft, you can't just sponsor men's teams. You also have to sponsor <laughs> women's teams. Right. Right. And so more money flows into this. And it becomes almost like a, I mean, I guess it's like a chicken versus chicken versus the egg kind of thing or a self-fulfilling philosophy of, you know, people will no prophecy, people will people, <laughs> talking about, people will watch, people will not, people don't watch what's just put in front of them, but people will watch what other people are watching. Right. Yeah. So if something is popular, then it can become popular to other folks. Like, hey, the the example that I've thought was always an interesting one is Serena Williams, in fact. Serena Williams is this can we agree she's an absolute megastar? Like top ten. Like top ten, right? Across everything. Across everything. When you drill down and you look at how many people were actually watching tennis tournaments in the United States, it's a very small number to the point where you can create a star without people actually watching those games. And Caitlin Clark might be Caitlin Clark might be an example of this as as well. And 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 just about any of the really big names you mentioned, Doug, I see LeBron James on my TV all the time. I have not sat down and watched a Lakers game in 
I mean, since the playoffs, right? It just hasn't happened. I've not watched a Caitlin Clark Iowa game on ESPN or ESPN two, but it doesn't matter, right? Because they're in the, you know, they're in the my consciousness. And, and again, it's like just about every star we can think of. Well, I mean, hell, Kate, uh, Taylor Taylor Swift, right? Yeah, I've seen Taylor Swift more on NFL telecasts than I've listened to any of her songs. But that suggests that you have been listening. So. Even, you know, yeah, I mean, I'll stop myself there. <laughs> We've covered NBA fandom. We've covered some of the college fandom. So a lot of times we like to kind of step into entertainment outside. Yeah. And you touched on Swifties. I'm curious, Mike, about superhero fandom right now <laughs> seemed to be th- like Swifty level at one point with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, the Avengers really, I mean, breaking box office records with every release. And at some point we hit a climax. And from there, it has been quite the decline with most recently. There's been a number of releases that have really bombed in the box office and it seems like there's quite a few plans for more <laughs> between marvel and dc comics and well here's a question for you doug have any of them been successful since the avengers part two you know it was a trilogy with two parts so yeah, I, mean- I think like the one-off joker movie was somewhat successful i think that okay. the tom the tom holland spider-man movies okay but the Joker um, is DC, so you can't count that one. Say what? The Joker is DC, so that's the Batman. Universe. Okay, so we're just sticking with like Marvel Universe. Yeah. I, my sense was that DC never really got it to click. I think DC had ambitions to do what Marvel did in terms of... They, they building, made an effort, yeah. Building out Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Batman and, and having... Trying to time together. Justice League. Yeah, but, that, that kind of tanked. That, that didn't tank. And you had Batman vs Superman, all that poor reviews, you know, bad reception early on, and it, it just never really got off the ground. And so it seems like they started over with yeah. like the one-off Joker, and then they did the Batman, who apparently is in his own universe, separate from the Joker or from the Ben Affleck Batman and all the you know Aquaman, Wonder Woman, all that stuff that they previously tried. So it's like they're starting again with Batman, who's kind of always been the centerpiece of what they do. And the first film was somewhat successful. So perhaps, you know, they'll build around that and, and have another successful You're talking franchise. About the Batman with Pattinson. Ro- Robert Pattinson, yes. Yeah. See, I, I didn't wa- I haven't watched that one yet. I, I know it's on one of the streaming services now. It strikes me that they're doing something different with it. That's not really a superhero universe setting, though, is it? With superpowers? He, oh no, he doesn't have super powers other than just cool suits and cars right. and stuff. I mean, um, based on what it looks like in the previews, and you know, just help me out here, it doesn't seem like Superman's going to show up in that one. No, it's a little more like the term that it sounds kind of pretentious, but grounded. It's uh, more like he's a detective. He's a detective that dresses like a bat. Okay. <laughs> Very a lot more realistic. Yeah, he's more of a detective, like a private investigator. I mean, like, Doug, I'm looking at the. I just called, pulled out. I just did a Google search, and you know they had the Marvels 2023, which was, if I remember correctly, was a financial disaster and was completely like, it was the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah. Then there's Guardians of the Galaxy three, Ant Man did okay. Wall. Yeah. Who cares? Like, I guess 
I mean, what this all feels like at this point is that it's, it feels like it's the trailing end to the Avengers storyline, the infinity war storyline that I, I've, my guess is that people are just hanging out. There's a few people that are hanging around to seeing where this goes, but the magic is, the magic is gone. Is that I'll fair? Tell, I'll tell you what it feels like. It feels like, Remember the like the Lord of the Rings was it just a huge I mean it was breaking box office records and Return of the King came out and then they went back and they tried to milk it with the Hobbit yeah. and, and just kind of keep the money going and of course at some point they they stopped but if they had gone back and been like what if we made six films about Pippin <laughs> and his story what happened to him after all this you know the, the story what happens to him after the story what about one of those like centaurs from Narnia? What if we did a whole series on that? It's like they t- they take a story that people care about and one piece of it, and to milk the money out of it after that story's been told, just keep going with with the kind of auxiliary characters being the main characters. And we've seen that work to a degree. Like even the Shrek franchise had successful um, Puss in Boots movies that kind of became their own thing within that universe. And, you know, Star Wars has tried to do it with pretty much every character ever, whether it's Obi-Wan Kenobi or the Mandalorian, of course, Boba Fett, of course, Han Solo had a film. I'm not even going to play with you on this anymore, Doc. I mean, I've, I've been burned watching too many of these Star Wars properties to just to try and keep up with you. Well, yeah, but I mean, you see what I'm saying is like, there's clearly a strategy that everyone's using. It seems like fans grow weary of it at some point and they just are, the difference is with like the Hobbit, they stopped and they're done and they waited and now they're going to do it again, but it's been a while. And same with like, like I mentioned Narnia earlier. I saw that Greta Gerwig who did Barbie is going to direct Narnia films for Netflix. But again, they, they made the films, they waited a decade or two and then they're going to make them again. And And none of it seems particularly exciting to me. And again, I'm 56. So I know it's for me. I I think going back to your example, the Hobbit is a good one. So the Hobbit was the Lord of the Rings were these three big volumes, right? Yeah. Yeah. A thousand pages. Yeah. The Hobbit was one, one book. The Hobbit was 150 pages, a kid's book, and they've turned it into three movies, right? What, so they've done it with uh, Harry Potter, where they've gone back and they're telling the backstory of Dumbledore and you know his his youth, I guess. Any of this working? No, that's what I'm saying. It's like it doesn't seem like any of it's working. It doesn't seem like taking the concept of Spider Man and applying it somehow like putting females in a, a different universe that are somewhat there's some intersection in some way. It doesn't seem like people want that. Like there, it's been nothing but negative reception of all these things. The Marvels is, was a, a great example of that. This is leading up to one specific movie <laughs> that has, seems to have reached a unique level of hatred and disdain upon its theorat- the- theatrical release of what was it called? Madam Web. That that's the most recent to the point where I don't know how you feel about it. Maybe you said this first. I kind of want to see it after looking at the the viciousness of everyone on social media talking about this, this film. I kind of want to know. I want to know how bad it is. I read to put this in perspective for those of you listening who aren't familiar, nothing but negative press 
for and and this is a female led cast. I mean, it's, it checks a lot of boxes, I guess, with with the critic types on paper. But apparently, there's something about the film that makes a lot of people unhappy, and we've seen a lot of negative press. One headline that I specifically remember, I believe it was ABC News, said that the term "god awful" doesn't do this film justice. That was the headline. So we've we've seen that all week. We saw a sixty million dollar budget bring in, I think, somewhere in the twenties in its opening weekend in terms of millions of dollars. And Rotten so, Tomatoes has it at thirteen percent. Thirteen, which is like it's so bad that it's interesting. It reminds me of I don't know if you remember the Rebecca Black Friday song, Mike. It was on YouTube, and everyone listened to it constantly and shared it around. And it ended up, it probably made more money than most like singles from big artists because so many people watched it to, to make fun or listened to it to make fun of it. And it feels like this film might be in that category of like so bad that it's good that people want to watch it. And I've gotten buzz. I've had friends hit me up, say, send me like, they'll send me like screenshots of the reviews that are negative and say, we've got to see this movie together. And so, yeah, I, I feel like that's what it's been building to. And again, it just begs the question, this strategy of just milking every ounce you can out of these franchises until everyone hates it um, doesn't seem to work. And I'm just curious why it keeps happening, whether it's Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Harry Potter or in this case, superhero, you know, Spider-Man or, you know, the the Marvel franchise or for that matter, the DC universe. And so, again, uh, fans don't seem to love it. There's almost this fandom of how bad it can become. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where I'm curious to see how Disney adjusts with the Star Wars franchise. I'm curious to see. You you know, it seems like so far they've just doubled down, and that's been the strategy across the board. Disney has actually proven they are unable to adjust at this point. Yeah, I mean, it seems. I mean, there seems to be something. But do we get to a point where so much money is lost and it's so evident, and there's actual shareholders, there's actually people with stakes that say, this isn't cutting it, we're changing directions, period, end of story. Like, does the market actually drive anything, or is it just somebody's personal vision and they completely disregard how the market is responding, how fans are responding to what they're giving them. Well, I think it's a dangerous place when there's a culture war, right? And we can all agree there was a culture war. I think it's really dangerous when one side clearly wins the culture war, right? Because I I think, I mean, that's gotta be the, if you neglect that as the backdrop for all of this, Mm-hmm. then because i mean look i think there's a marketing story that's going on and i think there's a cultural story that's going on right all of these the marketing story is simple right we're not going to try and develop this new intellectual content this intellectual property from scratch we're going to leverage an existing audience hey marvel comic book universe Big audience. A lot of people grew up with this. Let's leverage that stuff. Lord of the Rings. Let's leverage that stuff. Let's let's take the most popular video games and we'll build Netflix shows around it. Right? That's a lot easier than starting from than starting from scratch and putting you know hundred million or two hundred million dollars into marketing to build something up. Eventually, these things wear out. 
but I think it's it's almost malpractice not to say that there's also something going on where there's a political sensibility that seems to be part of all these projects that includes that includes a bit of disdain for and this is where it gets crazy a bit of disdain for the fan bases <laughs> of those properties. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, I can certainly think of examples, so I think you're onto something, but it's just an interesting phenomena in which the producers don't seem to be responding to the market. Okay, uh, when are we going to see this? You know what? If we're going to see the Madam Web, we got to make a plan to see it soon because it's not going to be in the theaters that long. It's like one of those things where it's like, I, here's my thing with these movies. I want to see... I'm so eager to see it. I couldn't be more excited. I wasn't this excited for Oppenheimer. I want to see it. But at the same time, I feel like a movie ticket is a movie ticket and that when I buy a ticket, I'm donating for them to make the next one, for them to keep making films like this. I got that way with Star Wars where I was like, I got to see it. I got to know what happens. I got to have an opinion. But I know that they're just counting on people like me to go see it because they know it's a financial calculation of if we just get all the people that feel like they have to see it to have an opinion to come out, then we're going to make a lot of money. And it doesn't matter if anyone likes the movie. And that, that's how it felt for the the Star Wars trilogy, the most recent one. And and so I kind of hate that. So there's part of me now that's like, I can't give them, I can't like donate toward the next iteration of this in place of something that I would actually like. So that's my consumer dilemma with these things. Well, <laughs> maybe the last thing to say is that recently getting ready for this annual survey on fandom I run, I went through all of the movies that are coming out in 2024 looking for the next Barbie, right? So something yeah. that looked like it was going to potentially have a cultural impact so I could essentially put the stars of that movie into, into the survey. I didn't see a lot, Doug. The one that came to mind is thinking the one that I thought was the biggest or the most surefire hit was actually a superhero movie, and that was Deadpool versus Wolverine, right? With Ryan Reynolds and, and Hugh Jackman. And again, you know, we we've got a lot of these movies. We got a lot of these movies out there, and Hugh Jackman's done a lot of Wolverine and Ryan Reynolds, but I suspect, and like I said, I didn't see anything out there that was really, I, I felt like really going to pop or resonate with a lot of the audiences. If you look at the, if you look at box office over the last few years, even though the superhero movies have not been doing well, they've kind of forced everything else off the screen, right? I mean, between Disney and, and Marvel and Star Wars, it's a lot of what's out there. So it, I think in some ways, you know, part of the problem is, that on top of the other issues we've identified, I think these companies have gotten used to not creating anything new, right? And not trying to build anything new. Because like, even you go back to Barbie, and the podcast is going very long. We should probably shut this down soon. <laughs> you go back to Barbie, uh, you got to remember that at the end of the day, Barbie is a toy, and Mattel has these plans of having, I think, like 20 additional movies featuring their Mattel toys. Oh, they're, they're going to make those until we hate them, too. Yeah. It's the same strategy. Well, I think they said they had Polly Pocket up next. <laughs> I mean, Barbie, they got this weird kind of cultural icon, you know, buzz and energy. 
You think Polly Pocket's going to capture the popular imagination? <laughs> Not in the same way. It'll be like Ant-Man as opposed to Spider-Man. It'll have its Okay, audience. I think I think that's good for today. So, onlinehomefandomanalytics.com. Talk to you next week.